Friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the podcast pa- pa- podcast podcaster. They can't even put one word together. Podcaster, that's one word. I can't even put it together. Can't put one word together. Let's not even think about putting two together. Because when I think about conjunction, junction, what's your function? Is it to make one word or not? Uh, But it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that is here to keep you company. Take your mind off stuff so you could fall asleep. I'm here to help. Uh, And this show does take a few tries to get used to. It's a podcast you don't really listen to. It doesn't put you to sleep. I'm just here to be your friend in the deep, dark night. So see how it goes. The reason I make the show... And the reason so many people are listening along right now is, one, a lot of us know how it feels in the deep, dark night. Whatever's keeping you awake or whatever's going on, I might not have been through it myself, but I could relate to how it feels probably. And if I can't, there's someone listening right now who can. And you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a bedtime you could look forward to or feel neutral about. That's why I make the show. So I put in so much work because I know how it feels and I want you to have a bedtime. You say, hey, at least I got that weird podcast to listen to. It'll keep me company and I'll feel a little bit better. But if you can get the rest you need and you deserve uh, and your life is more manageable, you could be out there flourishing. That gives me meaning and that gives my life meaning to help you. But this show is very weird, too. So just a heads up. uh, But that's what people like about it. So give it a few tries. See how it goes. I'm so glad you're here in the structure show. We're going to have some support. That's how the podcast is free. Then there'll be an intro to ease you into bedtime. And then we'll have our bedtime story. So I'm glad you're here. I appreciate you coming by. And thanks for making it possible, my patron peeps. Uh, Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, uh, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. And I'm going to do, do, try to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever is keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts on your mind, like things you're thinking about, uh, anything you're feeling uh, physically, right? Uh, physical sensations. So anything physically coming up for you uh, or emotionally, feelings related to physical or your thoughts or feelings that are just there, uh, you know, remain, you know, feelings about the past, present, and future. Oh boy, recent or uh, feelings. I've got them. Oh boy, holy moly! Uh, don't don't know it. Don't, yeah, feelings. I'm not in touch with them, but they're all over me. Feelings, uh, like, uh, they're here. Love you. Feelings, love you much. Uh, I mean, I really do try, I'm trying to live that way. Feelings, trying to live with, can't live with them? Gotta live with them. Always with them. Always, always. Always with those feelings. And don't get me started with those thoughts. Uh, yeah, because uh, they're compliment. Oh, boy, talk about complimentary. My thoughts and my feelings and my physical sensations. Now I'm having all of them. Oh, but it could be something else that's keeping you awake. It could be changes in your routine, your time, your temperature. You could be traveling. You could have something coming up. Uh, you could have guests. You just, could, just, could just be something temporary, or this could be an ongoing thing. Whatever it is, I'm here to keep you company so that you could fall asleep and to take your mind off of stuff. And the reason I make the show is because you deserve a good night's sleep. It's really that simple. You deserve a bedtime you don't have to dread, a bedtime you can feel neutral about or look forward to, a bedtime without rigmarole, and uh, that that you say, okay, yeah, I got that podcast to listen to. And if it's not this podcast, you're already like, I don't think this show is for me. Check out sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you. There's plenty of other sleep podcasts out there that I have listed there or other sleepy audio. But yeah, it's like, uh, 
Um, what was my point? Uh, oh, yeah, this podcast just doesn't work for everybody, but for most people it works on the second or third try. So give it a few tries at first. But to go back to the reason I make the show is if you get the rest you need, your life's going to be more manageable. And that's important because if your life's better, the world we live in is really a better place to be in. And the other reason is, is because I've been there and hundreds of thousands of people that are listening right now have been there. We might not know exactly what you're going through, but we can relate. That's why I call it like it can be L-O-N-L-E-Y, right? In that deep, dark night. That's why I call it the deep, dark night. So I'm here to keep you company and make it, you know, less lonely if I can. To be your boyfriend, your boy, your, uh, I'll explain all that coming up. But what first thing I'll do is I'm already doing, I'm sending my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, and superfluous tangents. So, so I'll go off topic. I'll get mixed up. I'll try to explain something. I'll forget how to do that, and I'll double back. And, and all that is to kind of kick, yeah, like, uh, I guess all that's natural, right, uh, is uh, the, all the extra words. Even now, I'm having trouble. Say, here's a good th- saying. He can't string a sentence together. And I said, wait a second, whose sentences have strings anyway? I mean, I guess a string of, co- my brain just said a string of coherent thoughts is what they mean. And I'd say, wow, you re- you really get to, I've never met you. You're part of my brain that gets right to the point, huh? I am. Oh, well, that, I, I like being quiet like that sometimes and just, uh, but I was just saying, okay, string of co- coherent thoughts. The problem with the stri- string of coherent thoughts for me is that they're all lined up in a row, so I can't see them until they already get here, right? If they're all lined up on a string, a straight line, I mean, any string I'm dealing with is nothing. There's nothing going to be straight about it. It'll be. They'll have more knots than uh, Don Knotscon. You know, the the the, the convention I just invented uh, for Don Knotts fans everywhere. It may exist already, and it's a double convention. It's also for uh, sale. You know, fans of knots. Uh, those aren't spelled the same. I don't think, uh, I think Don Knotts has two, 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 two T's or something. Um, it, it, well, you see, it, you know, yes, yes, every, the, the convention floor is divided by decades, of course. Uh, the different decades of Don Knotts, uh, and then the other section for Knotts, and then at decades of Knotts, Knotts throughout the ages, uh, Believe it or not, that's what we call the the, the Don Knot section, too. Oh, but what was they saying? Oh, string of coherent thoughts. Obviously, if they're all lined up, I, I won't know if they're coherent or not until they've already passed me by. Normally, they're not. They say, oh, too late now. I'm still talking. And so that's why I go on pointless meanders and superfluous tangents. They say, well, I, I, say, I think this Don Knotts convention... Could we rent? Could we get Lansbury Con, Angela Con, uh, and and Don Knotts and uh, the Romcom Con all at the same time? Maybe. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Um, here's the situation. <laughs> okay, so I got really lost in my thoughts there. Superfluous tangents. Uh, I go off topic. All to keep you company so that you could fall asleep. Now, if you're new. Like I said, this podcast takes some getting used to, and you may already have strong negative feelings about the show. Or in, and you say, I don't know about where, where, when does this podcast get sleepy? And I say, well, it's kind of this, it's already, it's a podcast that's never going and always, always bar- barely moving, always making coherent thoughts, uh, nodded for free, coherent thoughts, strings of coherent thoughts, uh, lost and i got a pile i got oh boy do i have a couple in my garage uh i said those used to be strings of coherent thoughts because they said i couldn't string a thought together oh no those are uh, friendship bracelets i'm sorry one time I, I got them confused i thought those were coherent thoughts they're just uh but, 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 are friendship bracelets and boondoggles two different things i think they are but uh 
I think you get, would you give a boondoggle to a friend? There, there, that could be, is that a John Denver song? Uh, anyone, anyone, oh, Kermit, John, did John Denver and Kermit the Frog sing that together? I think they may have, uh, okay. Oh, I'm sleep, trying to introduce the sleep podcast. Yeah, so, so this podcast takes some getting used to, and I'll explain a little bit about that here coming up. But if you're doubtful or skeptical, of course you are. You probably tried a lot of different stuff to help you fall asleep. And a lot of it uh, may not have worked or it may have worked only once or twice. That's how it is for me. So just kind of stick around and see how it goes. You got nothing to lose. And like I said, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you exists for people that loathe me or the podcast. A normal reaction. Not every, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Clearly, you're not everybody's giving me friendship bracelets or boondoggles or what are those things on, uh, what were those called? They're, I don't know if they're friendship, friendship, uh, safety pins. I don't, I didn't get, I remember seeing those as a, as a, as a child, but that was, uh, I didn't have any craft friends that were crafting those for me. I did have friends at the time. Just, uh. None that were so st- struck by my our friendship that they said, oh, boy, I got to craft you a boondog." They sent me on boondoggles. And, uh, but, oh, enough about me. How about the sleep podcast and why it doesn't make a lot of sense? Well, a couple things to know. This is a podcast that doesn't put you to sleep. It's here to keep you company while you fall asleep, uh, to take your mind off stuff. So it's the kind of thing you kind of just barely listen to it. It's uh, a little bit like background noise, but you can listen because I'm not here. This podcast, it doesn't put you to sleep. It keeps you company. I'm here to be your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar sib, your boar bud, your boar burr, your neighbor, your boar friend, uh, your friend in the deep dark night to, 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 to just keep you company. I think I said that a few times. So if you can't sleep, I'll be here to the very end. If you need a break during the day, I'm here. So just kind of see how it goes. Uh, but a couple other things to know. So it's in a podcast that doesn't put you to sleep. It's a podcast you don't really listen to. Structure can throw people off. It shows structure in a very specific way. Uh, but as you become a regular listener, you could adjust the show. But for most people, this is how they listen. So the show starts off with a greeting, friends beyond the binary, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls. So feel seen and welcome. Then there's support for the show so that it can be free or optional to pay for and come out twice a week regularly, Sunday and Wednesday nights. And that's because of people that support the sponsors or support the show directly. Then there's support for listeners who are having a tough time in communities around the show. Uh, then there's the intro. Now the intro is not part of the support. The intro is 10 to 20 minutes of me rambling and trying to introduce the podcast unsuccessfully. Like a, a normal intro would be technically a, a string of coherent thoughts. Uh, say this is a sleep, the sleep with me podcast, sleepiest podcast on the internet. And, uh, we'll be putting you to sleep here soon. I guess it's a counterintuitive though, sleep podcast, because you can do couldn't. So we'll be putting you together a sleep, a super super slick super sleep podcast, where we just count down from twenty and we put you to sleep. Uh, and uh, that's coming up next. Uh, maybe I'll just do that as a podcast. Uh, so, um, but um, where was my point? Um, I don't know. I got mixed up. So, oh, the structure of the show. So, so the so, so, so intro goes on and on and on. So the regular listeners, they know, oh, this is something familiar, but it's different every time. While I'm introducing the podcast to new listeners, regular listeners are getting ready for bed or doing a wind down activity or getting comfortable in bed. Some people are falling asleep. There's a few percentage of people that skip the stories or pay so that they can listen to story-only episodes. But for the most part, the intro serves as a, as a buffer between the day and the night, in the, between the evening and going to sleep, uh, a wind down. And so that's why the intro lasts 10 to 20 minutes and goes on and on and on to ease you into bedtime. Then there's more support for the show so it can be free. And if you don't like the support, yeah, you're welcome to pay and 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 skip all that. Then there's a story tonight. Uh, it'll be kind of one of our uh, more random one-off type episodes. 
And uh, then there's thank yous at the end of the show, so at the end of the podcast. So it's the structure of the show. That's why I make the show. And I'm really glad you're here. I really appreciate you checking the podcast out. Give it a few tries, see how it goes. Uh, and I really hope I can help you fall asleep. Thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple of ways I'm able to do it for you for free twice a week. Everybody, this is a, like a, it was going to be a board game unboxing, but I'll be straight with you. We played the game last night. Uh, it's a two player game and, uh, my timing could not have been better for buying this game because my daughter and I both were under the weather. If you catch my drift, uh, and, uh, at home for, uh, a week uh, together and I bought this game. Now, thus far, my ability to win the game has been pretty limited. Uh, so we'll talk about this game. It's kind of an unboxing and there's two pieces, so we'll talk about this game, and then I have some other stuff to talk about, too. So kind of like a board game unboxing. And this game is called uh, Hive Pocket. Uh, there's a non-pocket version of it, but uh, it, it's not exactly a pocket game. It's more of a travel size game. It's a two-person game. It's a game crawling with possibilities that I'll have to change around a lot. It uh, nine. It's for ages 9 plus. And the box, uh, uh, it's an award-winning game. It includes the, the pocket game. And the reason I got the pocket game was it comes with two of the expansions. It's uh, ages 9 plus, two players, 20 minutes per game, though I've lost in as few as a few minutes. Uh, and my daughter is just, uh, it's, it's a bit like chess is a comparable thing. You don't need a board. Includes a bag. It's easy rules, quick to play. Each of your pieces, similar to chess, moves in a different direction. I'm not saying it's the same as chess. Uh, you know, t- you slow your uh, horses roll. But it's uh, similar to chess. I've, I've, I, that's an article I read about the game before I bought it. Uh, um, but it is different because you can move your pieces or add pieces to your turn. And your whole uh, thing is to kind of, uh, in a similar way, you're supposed to surround... Uh, your yellow striped friend, uh, 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 the pieces are one, those are one, two. So they're eight sided pieces. One, two, three, four, five, six sided pieces. Uh, they're tiles essentially. And the object of the game is to surround the striped yellow character with wings, the winged yellow striped goddess, uh, who we could call the queen. A queen named B. Yeah, you're supposed to surround a queen named B with your other pieces. And it can be made up of a mixture of your pieces or the opponents. Uh, and the first person to do that wins. And uh, in my case thus far, it has not been me. And But maybe by reading these instructions, I'll get better at the game. I don't think so, but... But the game, uh, each player takes thirteen, all thirteen pieces of one color, and faces them up, uh, fa- places them face up in front of them, and play begins with one place, p- player pl- pace, placing a piece. That's tough to say from their hand in the center of the table, and then the next player joining one of their pieces edge to edge, and players take turns to either place or move any pe- any one of their pieces. So, uh, basically you have these tiles, uh, and, uh, let's say you you have the nighttime tiles, uh, there's nighttime and daytime tiles, uh, so that, you know, just like in chess and your you have six sided pieces. So someone places like one is the, the queen named B. uh, another one, another kind of piece is the aunties from a farm, and uh, another piece is the uh, makers of cider cider webs, old cider webs with eight the eight, the eight cider webs. So, you know, my friend with eight legs, cider. Oh, the cider. So, so let's say I put down my cider piece, uh, and I'm playing in the nighttime mode, and then you put your anti piece uh, next to mine. You'd have to have it touching on one of the six sides. At this point, I guess it doesn't matter because we've each placed one piece. 
and to go into more depth from the instructions, a new piece can be introduced into the game at any time. However, with the exception of the first piece placed by each player, pieces may not be placed next to a piece of the opponent's color. So when you're placing a piece, not moving a piece, it can't be touching your opponent's uh, a piece of your opponent's color when you're moving it into the into gameplay in a sense. So right now we have a cider and an ant. Uh, and I don't know who went first. I think the cider. So then let's say I wanted to like a hop, a hop, old hopper from the grass, you know. If I wanted to place a hopper from the grass, I'd have to touch it on one of only three sides of my cider piece because two sides, if I placed it on the other two sides, it would be touching the ante piece, which is not allowed. And it's possible to win the game without placing all your pieces, as my daughter has shown me. But once a piece has been placed, it cannot be removed. It can be moved, but not removed from the field field of play, which the only piece you'd want to remove from the field of play would be your queen, your queen, your queen to get it out of there. Okay, but placing the queen named B, your, your queen named B can be placed at any time from your first to your fourth turn. And you must place your queen named B on your fourth term, turn if you've not placed it before. Also important is once your queen named B has been placed, but not before, you can decide whether to use each turn after that to place another piece or to move one of the pieces that has already been placed. Uh, each piece has its own way of moving, so when moving, it's possible to move pieces to a position where they touch uh, one or more of your opponent's pieces. Also, all pieces must, must touch at least one other piece. If a piece's only connection is between two parts... Oh, this is the first time they use this term, I guess. Uh, but when your pieces are in conjunction, that's your uh, your hive... Uh, your biome, I guess. Uh, if a piece is only connection between is the only connection between two parts of this continuity, it can't be moved. So you can't leave a. Um, all the pieces are somehow connected. No piece can be off on its own. So it can there can be gaps. You know what I mean. All the tiles have to be connected. Experience some sort of interconnection. That's called the one hive rule. Okay, so the pieces, the players in this play, the queen named B, can only move one space per turn. Uh, even though it is restricted in this way, if it's moved at the right time, it could disrupt your opponent's plans. So, you know, it can't move, it can only move to an open space that it can freely move to, too. Like, your, most of the pieces glide. Which you kind of, like, it's not great to describe. But when you, if you decide to play this game, which I highly recommend, even though I'm not very good at it. Okay, next up is old uh, Beetle Bailey, uh, famous at some point. I think Beetle Bailey it was the originator of, uh, like, loved to do, hung around with, like, uh, Felix the Cat and ate Dagwood sandwiches or something. But in this game, old Beetle Bailey is uh, like the queen bee. Only <laughs> like the queen can only move one space per turn around the hive, but it can also move on top of the hive. And a piece with the beetle on top is unable to move. Uh, and for the purposes of placing of the placing rules, uh, the stack takes on the color of the beetle. My daughter just used this to 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 win against me very easily, because she put her beetle on top of my queen and then just built around my queen, and I don't know how I'm gonna undo that. But uh, you can place a beetle on top of a beetle, though. When it's first placed, the beetle is placed in the same way as all the other pieces. It can't be placed directly on top of the hive, even though it can be moved there later. Okay, so when on top of the hive, the beetle can move from piece to piece across the top of the hive. It can also drop into places that are surrounded and not accessible. Uh, the only way to block a beetle is uh, on top of the hive is to move another beetle on top of it. All beetles and mosquitoes can be placed, stacked on top of each other. 
Okay, next up is a grasshopper. The grasshopper does not move around the outside of the hive like the other buddies. Uh, instead, it jumps from its space over any number of pieces, but at least one to the next unoccupied space along a straight line of joined pieces, straight row. This gives it the advantage of being able to fill in a space which is surrounded by other pieces, which you'll find with the sliding is tough. This beetles and the grasshopper are good for that. So it basically jumps over pieces, like checker type thing, but it can jump over any number of pieces to an open spot, but only in a straight line. Um, cider is, moves three spaces per turn, no more, no less, uh, it must move in a direct path and cannot backtrack on itself. It can only move around pieces that is in direct contact with uh, on each step of its move. It may not move across to a piece it is not in direct contact with. I got to keep an eye on this rule for uh, the ways of it not doing well. Um, but yeah, it's good because it can move through spaces. Uh the ante is uh, it can move from its position to any other position around the board, provided the restrictions of eight and nine are adhered to. The freedom of the movement of the ant makes it one of the most valuable pieces. So the ant can go anywhere as long as it can slide in there because it can't jump. Okay, then there's two pieces we haven't used yet because we were still learning the rules. Lady, the ladybird moves three spaces, two on top and then one da- two on top of the hive and then one down. It must move exactly two on top and then move da- one down on its last move. It may not move uh, around the outside and may not end its movement on top, uh, even though it cannot block by landing on top of things like the beetle, it can move into or out of surrounded spaces. It also has the advantage of being much faster, I guess, because it can move three instead of one. Skeetle is another character. It's placed in the same way as other pieces. Once in play, it takes them on the movement characteristics of anything it's touching at the time, including opponents, changing its characteristics throughout the game. Exception, if a beetle, beetle bailey is on top of the hive, it continues to move as a beetle. Oh, if it's moved as a beetle on top of the hive, it stays a beetle till it climbs back down. Uh, unless it's touching a beetle again when it gets back down. If it's only touching a skeeter, even a stacked skeeter, and no other piece, it can't move. So that's interesting. Okay, so some restrictions here that they're referring to. There's a one hive rule. Uh, the pieces in play must be linked at all times. Uh, and the art is very basic, but but nice, and it's very well-made, you know, tiles. Uh, the pieces in play must be linked at all times. In no time can you leave a piece stranded and not connected or separate the hive into two. You can use this to your advantage by moving pieces to strategic positions around, leaving your opponent's pieces unable to move. I thought the last game I was going to win because I did that, but then I still lost. Like, I locked two of my daughter's ants down, but it still it didn't help me. <laughs> Freedom to move. Uh, creature, the buddies can only be, the buddies can only move in sliding movement. If a piece is surrounded to the point where it can't physically slide out of its position, it can't be moved. Exceptions are the grasshopper, which jumps out of the space, the beetle and the ladybug, which climb up and down, and the skeeter, which can mimic one of the three. Similarly, no piece can move into a space it cannot physically slide into. When first introduced to the game, a piece may be placed into a square that is surrounded, as long as it doesn't violate the placing rules, in particular the rule about pieces not being able to touch pieces of the opposite team. Unable to move or place. If a player cannot place a new piece or move an existing piece, their turn passes, uh, the game continues until they're able to move or place a piece or until their queen is surrounded. 
in the game canon and draws. We've had multiple. I've drawn the game more times than I've won. The game ends as soon as the queen is surrounded by the pieces of any either team or either player. The person who's surrounded it loses the game unless the last piece to surround them also completes the surrounding of the other bee, of the other queen. In that case, the game is a draw. It must be agreed to, uh, you know, unless there can be a resolution to the stalemate. So that's one game. I also have a bunch of other games. Uh, uh, let's see what we got here. Yeah, so I got a couple, three games uh, that I bought from a, a long, long time ago. I think I bought everything they made. And I don't think the company is, I think I've talked about it. It's called Cheap Rear Game. Uh, Cheap Rear Games, it has another name too. But they were aware of two basic facts about board games, that they are expensive and uh, at some level they're all the same. Uh, this is, the, quoting them, uh, the box. Uh, if you ignore the clever shapes they come in and the uh, the pawns that are inter- interchangeable, sometimes the dice, the money, the counters, the pencils, just about everything in every part, the generic bits and pieces can account for as much as 75% of the game's cost. And that gets passed on to you. So if you had a choice, you'd probably invest a little bit of money in one good set of gaming paraphernalia instead of 20 different ones. And then you could just buy the part, uh, the the game part of the game. Yet, you know, most companies sell the whole package, like bundling a can opener with a can of beans. Cheap bottom games uh, come packaged with the bare essentials, boards, cards, and rule books. And they're usually they're printed in black and white. And if you need anything else, they'll tell you. And it's probably something you can scrounge from a game you already own or buy at a store. Or you could even buy, you could buy like a, a spare set of counters and money from them. Because I think that when I discovered it, I just bought like, uh, they had like a super pack or something, a party pack. But then I couldn't, you know, you know, it wasn't as good at getting people to play. Once you've assembled a collection of generic game pieces, you can use them for every new cheap bottom game. And they standardize their things. So I have three different ones, three different games here that I didn't play a lot. Uh, the first one is in a box. Uh, and uh, it's for uh, three to six players. Um and it's called CAG 41. So I don't know if it's their 41st game. What you would need is um, a token for each player, some money, and some beans or some sort of counter. And it's called uh, Secret Wrestling. Uh, let's see. And here's the descriptor. On the front page is like a wrestler but in business clothes. They have a sweater vest on in a dress shirt and dress pants, and then there's a briefcase spilling behind them, but they're in their hands and their muscles are in the air, and they're in disguise. You know, they're wearing a covering, so you can't tell who they are. Uh, so a little bit of Lucha Libre in there. So, go, you know, business is rough. Go, closing your business is worse. Uh, some people, it's a struggle, and, uh, or you could go and... Uh, Promote wrestling for big bucks. Uh, as you might suspect, this game is about option two. Uh, let's see. It's a card game featuring clever strategy, funny wrestlers, and a po- uh, components from another game. You're promoting wrestling, uh, trying to get people into these, oh, um, business people into these games. Uh, to begin the game, each player drafts a team of uh, wrestlers, and you try to choose the right mix of, uh, you know, balance out your team. And then you challenge the other players uh, to wrestling matches. Uh, the game was limited to 5,000. Oh, because it used counters from another game, from the Atlas game, Spammers, uh, which was overprinted. And they let us have the surplus, so you're lucky. This game is available for a limited time only. And if you want, there's other uh, boxed games that are listed. Okay, so I think I may have played this game before just because there's a rubber band around the cards. 
And then there's a bag of counters with numbers on there and some emojis, uh, which is probably from the spamming game. But let's look at the uh, wrestlers. On one side of the card is the business person wrestler. Let me count the cards. One. Okay, I have 35 cards. Uh, and let's see how we have. Uh, this first person is ranked number one. Uno y dos. It's actually two wrestlers doing the um, that Snow White thing where they they have a raincoat and they're on top of one another. Contract price is ten thousand. They get a seven in hit, a two in tricks, and a one in block. Next up is a C L O W N, but not uh, with very few. Very, their contract price is thirteen thousand. They have a two rank uh, El Payoso. Five three five, so they're kind of balanced. El Chipo is just a person with a paper bag. They have another one rank, one in hit, three in trick, two in blocks. Louis Fresco kind of has a futuristic type outfit on. Contract price is eighteen thousand. Their rank is three. Well, they have a four in hit, a three in tricks, and eleven in blocks. The mighty E. She uh, is in kind of a superhero outfit. Uh, contract price is 21000 a four rank, uh, 12 in hit, two in tricks, seven in blocks. Then we have someone, La Maniaca. La Maniaca. Contract price is $12,000. They're where they have. Uh, they're dressed like Olivia Newton John, but they're wearing like a. Uh, kind of hat you would wear to, uh, what is that, what do you call it when you're fusing stuff, uh, you're working on metal or whatever. Uh, let's see. El Diablo Azul, uh, dressed full Lucha, Lucha Libre outfit, uh, 23000 contract price, four rank, uh, 12 hit, two tricks, nine blocks. Gordon Glorioso, five rank, 28000 11, 7, and 8, uh, that's a business, dressed as a kind of a business person. Signoro, Signor Roboto, that's a robot, uh, also dressed like they would wear red, red spandex, too. 23,004 rank, uh, 878. And number 3, El Ocho, that's a magic 8-ball type style outfit. Twenty thousand five eight seven, La Enferma. Uh, this is a nurse uh, style uh, outfit. Uh, Sixteen thousand seven four seven three rank. Uh, Enchilada Progresso. This is also kind of a superhero type. Five twelve five. So, again, these are definitely Lucha Libre-style wrestlers. La Nina, uh, which is like a little kid, but they have a Viking helmet and a teddy bear, but they're definitely, they're one rank, 8,215. Uh, the Cider, uh, they have uh, 9, 11, 12, uh, 32,000. Santa... 27,000, 1287, uh, rank 5. Enrique, 13,000, number 2463, uh, like uh, someone in a papal style uh, Lucha Libre outfit. El Papa, uh, that's a 3, 20,610. Well, so I think every single. This is like a lot of different ones. Uh, La Sombra. I don't know what that is in Spanish. Everything else have been uh, uh, 24,8610. Kind of like a cat, like a catwoman type outfit. Uh, Los Caballeros, uh, 28,000. They're a team, 10, 12, 6. Uh, La Cucaracha, they're, they're uh, dressed in that style of outfit, uh, 11,371. 
Poker face. This one is dressed as a poker dealer. Thirty-one thousand twelve nine ten twelve ten nine five. Oh, then they have characters from other games. Uh, so they have one from uh, one of their more popular games, Lord of the Fries. Eight, twelve, ten, thirty thousand five. Uh, there's someone that kind of looks like Clint Eastwood. Three, nineteen thousand, twelve, six, one. Uh, then they have someone, uh, another just Lucio Libre style wrestling, 29,912, 8. Uh, then they have, uh, this one's, uh, Neo, the one, El Unico. So this game must have came out back then. 310, 12, dressed as Neo from, uh, Matrix, uh, but not the first one, the second or third one. Uh, then they have someone dressed uh, like they're going to uh, Dios de los Muertos uh, parade, uh, 15,032. Uh, they have someone from making lunch, uh, 2812, 23,000. There's somebody that doesn't look like they want to be there, 421. They're cleaning up or something. Uh, Angela Sky. Maybe you could get your name on it. She is like an angel type, uh, 17,539. Uh, Las Calientes, uh, 19,611, 12. The Moth, uh, 162, is 9,000. Oh, the person from the cover in the back of the box is uh, the Grump, uh, Fourteen thousand five three six. Uh, polo player. This one, El Polo Loco. So this might have been also. Uh, that's funny. Uh, A four two. A pun from uh, better now. Better call Saul. Uh, but back then it would have been Breaking Bad. And uh, a pirate. Uh, Doc. Uh, Sixteen thousand eleven three two. Okay. So let's see. Oh, it also came with a free game, Put Woody's Castle, which is just a moving stone game, uh, free of charge. Uh, it's a two-player game. Uh, I might have to play that with my daughter. Let's just do it because it was just sitting on the top of this thing. It's a free, ga- free game from Cheap Bottom Games, two to four players, 24 colored stones, five red, eight blue, 11 white. Uh, the winner of the previous game goes first and passes to the left. Uh, and it's just uh, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, uh, four, like circles, uh, four down, five across, uh, and they're all connected. Place a stone of any available color in an empty space on the castle. After placing a stone, you score one point for every stone of the same color that is touching. So if your red stone touches two red stones, you score two points. Uh, the player with the most points wins. Count of, uh, ties count as fractions of wins. And it's a free game. Okay, so this game came with uh, 36 cards. I only had 35. Sheets of cardboard tiles and a plastic bag for storing the titles and these rules. What else you need? Money and dom- denominations of $1,000 and up. Or you could use one dollar to mean me equal a thousand dollars and a betting token for each player and some beans. So set up, set up, separate it first. You know, take all the tiles and separate them before the game. Each player draws two random tiles to start their collection. The tiles are secret, like cards, uh, but the number of tiles you hold is not a secret. Then each player gets a token, which will be used for betting and a stake of a hundred thousand dollars. Put the rest of the money in the bank. And then you draft. Each player drafts five wrestlers. Uh, and uh, to begin, you shuffle the deck and d- deal six cards to each player. Each player keeps one card from these six and passes the other five to the left. Uh, place the card you keep face down in the table in front of you. And this process repeats uh, with people taking one card and passing to the left until each player has drafted a total of five uh, wrestlers. Uh, when you have only one card, pass it, discard it instead. Uh, the cards each player has kept now become uh, their hand. The discarded people are not used. Uh, 
Each player places one wrestler face down on the table. Each player places one wrestler down on the table. These cards are then revealed together. The person who has the highest priced wrestler will take the first turn, and from this point on, the turn proceeds to the left. If there's a tie for the highest price, uh, it is broken by the highest hit value. Okay, so each player has uh, five statistics. Hit, hit tricks, blocks, hit price, contract price, and rank. Uh, that's a price you promise a fighter uh, you're going to pay them. But it's also the amount you put have to put up each time you put them in a match. Essentially, this is like what, what your stake, you know. The rank is a rating based on um, all their stats, uh, and it determines who can challenge whom. Okay. A rank increases by one point each time they win. This is uh, tracked by adding a bean to the card. Uh, ranks start between one and five. Uh, if you don't have somebody on a wrestler on the table, you must immediately play another one from your hand. Uh, this happens as your wrestlers retire and does not require a turn. When a player has no wrestlers in play and none in their hand, the game ends. Okay, so on your turn, you can uh, play, a, play a wrestler, and that ends your turn. You could start a wrestling match. It has to be fair. So you choose one person on the table, one wrestler of somebody else's team, whose rank is equal or greater than yours, and you start a match. The fighter cannot refuse, uh, the wrestler cannot refuse, but they can forfeit. You can also call out and see, uh, say, hey, I want to see who wants to wrestle me. And your, for, uh, your opponents may put forward one or more to accept uh, only wrestlers that are smaller than yours are allowed to accept. Uh, you may then uh, wrestle any challenger from uh, whoever stepped up. If no one stepped up, you draw two tiles and end your turn. Uh, you can manage your tiles. You can discard any number of titles, uh, tiles or even none and draw the same number of placements. In addition, after swapping your titles, you may, tiles, you may draw one more tile for $5,000. Wrestling. When two wrestlers wrestle, their owners can play tiles to help, uh, you know, give them buffs, I guess, and all of the other players may make bets on the outcome. To begin, place them both in the center of the table head-to-head -head, so their stats line up with each other. Kind of, uh... So, you know, hit lines up with block, and each trick lines up with tricks. Uh, each player draws one tile right before the match. Uh, if they are not the same ranked, a lower-ranked wrestler draws a second tile. So you can pay place bets uh, if you're not involved. Uh, and the total prize money for side bets is called the side pot is equal to 5000 per better. So uh, it could be three players on the side, and thus fifteen thousand in the side pot. The money, this money comes from the bank. Uh, the side pot will be divided as evenly as possible to the nearest thousand among all players who bet on the winner, with the remainder going back to the bank. If no one bets on the winner, the side pot becomes part of the purse. Oh, so you almost have to bet on that, huh? The purse is equal to the contract price of the losing fighter, so it's not set until it's over. The loser of the wrestling match must play the, pay the winner the contract price of the losing wrestler. For example, if Angela, uh, the angel loses, uh, they pay 17000 because that's her contract price. To determine who wins, you compare all the values in all three columns. Uh, if a player is winning in two columns, they win, regardless of the difference. If they're winning in one column and the other two are tied, they win. If there's a tie for a for number of columns, then the wrestler who is winning the other one by total more, more than the total wins. 
It's also possible to have a perfect tie. Whoever is losing will take the first turn at the start uh, of the match, uh, unless it begins as a perfect tie. After all side bits are placed, but before the first tile is played, the player who would normally go first may forfeit instead of playing any tiles. If they do, it's over, uh, but no one retires. All bets are paid as usual. Player who goes second cannot forfeit. Proceeding, you can either pass, play a tile as follows. Uh, passing does not end the wrestling match. Uh, you can still pass one round and play on the next. So you play number tiles between 1 and 12, and you can put that on top of any combat stat uh, on your side or your opponent's if it doesn't have a tile on it already. That tiles number replaces it. Uh, there's also swearing tiles. These, those are erasers. They remove a t- number tile from either side. There's a money tile. The money adds 5000 the purse for each match, uh, which comes from the bank uh, for this match. The lips tile, tell me a secret. They allow you to look at your opponent's tiles and then immediately draw another pile. There's a computer tile, system error, allows you to rearrange all the number tiles on the fighters. Uh, rearrange, not discard. Tiles can be moved to any spot. This is a powerful uh, tile. Junk tile, supplies. Uh, the junk tile stops the match immediately. This is only useful if you're winning, obviously. Except for the number tiles, all tiles return to the box as soon as they are played. The match continues until a junk tile is played or both players pass. But if you pass, it doesn't necessarily get you out of it. Uh, after the match, uh, usually the, re- the loser will retire and is discarded with all the tiles on them. Uh, the winner returns to the owner's side of the table the owners, the winner returns to their team, uh, retaining the number of tiles that are on them, and they will bring those into the next match. The loser uh, pays the winner the contract place of the losing team. Um, let's see. Uh, players who made sidebacks collect their side of the pot. If no one bet on the winner, that money also goes into the purse. And if the match ends in a perfect tie, then all uh, side bets are off and, uh, you know, no one pays anything, no one retires, everybody goes home with a bean. When a fighter wins, they get a bean, a counter that uh, increases the rank by one. Nothing else changes. Uh, There's no upper limit to the rank a fighter can attain by earning beans. There's no benefit to gaining beans, beans, such as to... Determines who can challenge whom and draws a bonus tile at the beginning. Uh, by attaining a higher rank and a better reputation, uh, a fighter could be challenged by stronger fighters, uh, wrestlers, uh, winning. The game ends when one player has no wrestlers in play and can't play any from their hand. To win, you must have the most money when the game ends. However, before counting your money, you have to pay all your wrestlers, uh, even those still in your hand. So you pay the wrestlers their contract price, except for those that have retired. Those that have retired, you pay equal to half of their price uh, for all the wrestlers left in your hand. Uh, Deduct these amounts from your stake, and the player with the most money wins. If there's a tie, the tie is settled by... uh, a thumb war, I guess. Uh, this was designed by James Ernst, the game, and the art is by Cheyenne Wright. Uh, and a bunch of people play tested it. Uh, Rick C., Rick F., Julie H., Dave H., Blue Haired Steve, a bunch of other people. 2005 was when the game was copyrighted. About the counters, a long time ago, when jokes on the internet were still funny, there was a game Spammers, uh, it was about hackers and spam, but uh, they made too many uh, counter sheets, uh, and uh, John said, uh, 
maybe James could write a game using these pieces. Uh, but uh, they said for the price of shipping, they, he sent him these 5,000 sheets of counters. Uh, and then James Ernst made this game. Okay, then they have another game uh, called The Bunny That Doesn't Like the Earth. Uh, I don't know if I played this one either. Uh, it's two to five players. Uh, you and your friends are hardworking candy machines in uh, the bunny's factory, but the bunny doesn't like Earth. Uh, so they decided to get revenge on Earth uh, by manufacturing a very unsatisfying brand of saltwater taffy. Very funny. This is very sleep of me asks. Uh, you got to stop the bunny, uh, even though you are, are aware the plan has no chance of success. Uh, you got to bring the squirrels in and have them uh, stop the machines and make uh, the candy. It's, you know, not a great plan, but uh, that's what you got to do. And what you'll need is pawns. For, this one just comes in an envelope, not a box, a very thin envelope. It was CAG 33. And you need uh, pawns for every person, 50 counters, and uh, some distinct counter to represent the bunny, and one six-sided dice. And I don't think I played this game. Um, so it comes with a two-piece board that says a bunny that dislikes the earth. Uh, oh, there's a Karen in this game. Uh, at the top is uh, Karen, looks like some sort of robot, aware of global events as they happen, more certain than the others that the plan will uh, work, uh, keystone of the, and a powerful motivational speaker. Then there's uh, Elaine. These are all compute, uh, some machines, I guess. Uh, introspective taffy machine. Oh, yeah, these are the different machines, taffy machines. Doesn't wish to, you know, cause any, just wants to make taffy. Protective of Silas. Silas does not like noise, uh, doesn't want to save the earth. Uh, but no, it would give Silas a sense of pride. He never found in making taffy. Most productive worker in the factory. Uh, and the bunny's favorite machine. Hercules is a fast-moving machine. And uh, has no notion of any of the other's plans. And Baxter is a machine that has no concern for the world. Uh, so the board is just a two pieces of cardboard. This is from 2001. I don't know. Let's read the instructions. Welcome to Sweetworks uh, Candy Factory outside of Happyville. Bunny doesn't like the earth, so wanted to make this unsatisfying saltwater taffy flavor. You and your friends, oh, you and your friends are the taffy machines, uh, and you want to foil the bunny, so you're going to try to have the squirrels drop nuts in the machine. You need the two-piece board, the rules, and the other components we talked about. Each player chooses a machine and places their pawn there. Your pawn will never move. The bunny starts in the office, which is the center platform on the board. Choose a player to go first and then proceed to the left. On, on each turn, you roll your dice. If you roll between a one and a five, you can add a squirrel uh, to a numbered platform, oh, to that number platform, and then that ends your turn. If the platform is empty, this is your only option. You can move squirrels. If there's one counter on the platform, counters can mean a squirrel or the bunny. You can pick up all the counters on that platform and move them as described below. If you move counters, you got to move them all. Let's see. So you choose any path uh, leading away from the platform, distribute the counters along that path. Uh, you visit the same space twice, you can't double back. Uh, for example, if you picked up the counters on window one, you could go one to the office, one to window two, one on the platform between windows two and one, and one back on one. If you, if you have a squirrel drop a nut on any player's machine, usually this would be your own, that player takes the counter off the board and keeps it. The number of squirrels who drop nuts determines your score. The first player to collect five wins. 
but if you put the bunny on any player's machine that fixes that, the bunny fixes that machine, you take two squirrel nuts away from that player and re- release them. After he fixes the machine, the bunny returns to the office. If you get a six, you move all counters from any platform on the board. Um, you win as soon as you collect six squirrel nuts, because uh, then it shuts down your taffy making. If you like this game, there's also another game uh, about a ham, the bunny needs a ham. I think I played that one. But yeah, that's a couple games I got uh, that I may or may not have played. Uh, and, and thanks and good night, everybody.